Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Lord, we give you praise and glory. Amen. How many has been guilty of doing that during your prayer time? It becomes all about you. God, I need this. God, I want that. God, do this. Take care of business over there and bless my family, bless my church, and it becomes less about him. Right. But there's some times where you just got to get your mind off your problem. Get your mind off your situation and just focus on him. How many's got a testimony here tonight? How many has, can testify that God's been good to you? The old saying, he's been better to me than I've been to myself. Come on now. I can testify to that. I can testify to that. Our God is good. He is good. Good to have everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. We are going to worship him in our giving real quick. Uh, you just come up and, and uh, put it here in the offering plate. I do want to say, uh, I'm, I don't know about y'all, because I haven't been asking. But I'm getting some traction on asking for corporate sponsorships of the chairs. Uh, you'll find out that maybe your boss, your company, will uh, they have money set aside for, for stuff like that. So I've, I've talked to a couple dealers and, and uh, a couple companies, and uh, they said they are going to gladly get on board to sponsor for some chairs. Amen. Now, I don't want to do all the work, so y'all get busy too. But I'll be personally sponsoring chairs for my family. And uh, we're going to get to that 7,000, 10,000, 120, whatever, whatever that goal is. We're going to get 120 chairs. To God be the glory. It's going to be awesome. Lord, I thank you. Lord, for what you are doing. I thank you, God, for, for just being here tonight, Lord, for us to be able to gather together and feel your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would bless this offering. I pray, God, that you would just multiply it. Bless those who are giving out of the abundance of their heart the sacrifices, God, that they are making for the kingdom and for the house. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's give right now. Thanks, thanks, I give you thanks for all you have done. I am so blessed, my soul has found rest. just want to say thanks, thanks, I give you thanks for all you have done. I am so blessed, my soul has found rest, oh Lord, I give you thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And before we bring up uh, Brother David to preach to us here tonight, uh, sometimes you just, hey, I was going to use that. Um, you got to sit back and sometimes reflect on where you are now, from where you were, from what God has done for you. And uh, I'm very blessed that my, my beautiful wife can uh, travel with me and be with me on, on the business trips. And uh, we were pulling up the highway and pulling into town, and there was a, a fifth wheel 
Everybody knows what those are, the RVs, the big RVs. Um, and there was a fifth wheel, beautiful one. I'm sure it was new. If not, it looked brand new. And she looked at me and says, look at that, baby. That's bigger than our first house. <laughs> and I had to stop and think, yeah, that's probably, probably right. But, you know, I thank God for where I'm at right now. Thank you, Lord, for humble beginnings. And we didn't have, we didn't have much, folks, when we started out. But uh, I'm very thankful for, for what God has done for my family and, and for this church. And we truly are blessed. No matter how bad it gets, church, in your personal life, you can look back and say that we are blessed. Amen. Brother David, come on up here. Give what, what God has given you. Take your liberty. Amen. Let's, let's preach with the preacher. Amen. Amen. Preach, man. Well, praise the Lord, church. You're awake now, right? I have a little bit louder of a voice than pastor, so... Brother Zachary, you may need to turn me down a little bit, or a lot of bit. Praise the Lord. It's such a great time to be in the presence of God. Such a great just atmosphere in this place tonight. I, I hope you did. I don't know because I'm not you, but I hope that you felt the move of the Spirit through our singing and, and praise and worship tonight. It's a beautiful atmosphere in the house tonight. And it's just a, great, just a great time to be in the house of God. Just a great time to be in the presence of God. There's so much turmoil and there's so much uncertainty in life. But the one thing we can always count on is that our God will be there with us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is with us even now. I want to say, I want to give acknowledgments to our pastor, Pastor and Sister Heil. It's an honor to be not only behind this pulpit, but to do so uh, with the backing of my beautiful wife, their daughter, Allison. And it's great to, to be in the midst of family and to be in the midst of friends tonight. I want to give thanks to my pastor, Pastor Gaddy, and for all of the men and women in my life that have been an inspiration to my ministry and have poured so much into me over the years I, I feel obligated and honored to call each of them out by name, but for the sake of time, I will not, because there are so many, an incalculable number of people who have poured themselves out into me to make me the man that I am today. I do have a couple scriptures for us tonight. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, verses, starting at verse 30, we're going to read a couple verses there. And then keep your thumb on Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to switch over real quick and read another scripture. But let's start here in Matthew, starting with verse 30 in chapter 6. It says now, and I'm reading from the New King James, so it may differ slightly from what you see on the screen. It says, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom 
of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. And flipping over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Quick thought before we pray. We're going to pray in just a moment. Quick thought. I, I was looking at this scripture and I had this recollection of having heard it spoken and read or, or preached upon uh, for, for most, if not all, of my life where it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I'm sure we've probably all subconsciously sub, uh, ad added that word into it at any point. And whenever I was studying for this message, even up to just a few moments ago, I realized that the word all isn't in there. And it doesn't necessarily change the emphasis or, or the power of the statement, but it changes which word is focused on in this statement. Instead of focusing on all of your might, it focuses on your might, specifically your might. And so I got to thinking, what does that mean? And I started thinking about it, and I did a little research, and I, I just kind of did a, a Webster dictionary search, and, and I came up with a couple of things that, that I thought were interesting. The first is expressing purpose. Might means to express purpose. And then the other more common definition we're all familiar with is great or impressive strength. And so when you go back and you read that with that applied statement or that applied idea, it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your purpose. Do it with all your strength and do it with all your purpose, with all of your intentionality. So with those things in mind tonight, I want to speak to you for just the next few moments on this thought, a precedent of pursuit. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you, God, for being with us in this place, for bringing us together for such a time as this. And we thank you, God, that you have word to speak to us even now, afresh every day, Jesus. Your word is living and alive in our hearts and our lives. And we come to you today asking God as we enter into this message that you would apply this word afresh to our hearts and that you would help us to walk out of here this evening with a deeper understanding of what it is you're calling us and desiring of us in this place, in this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. A long time ago, there was a young couple who were won to the Lord by the simplicity of a note handwritten on the back of a paper plate advertising a free to the public ice cream social Sunday at a local Pentecostal church. Taking their young children to the event, the family as a whole quickly fell in love with the people, the atmosphere, and eventually the spirit they felt as they began to attend weekly worship and events. Over the years, this young family would grow to be reliable and depended upon and even pillars in the church, and Lou and Patricia would serve their church, their pastor, and their God faithfully for many years. Their contributions to the church, through though definitely ministry, were not so normal as the typically thought of ministerial actions, however, uh, that are so commonly seen and considered. They never stood behind one of these. They never stood behind a pulpit. They never spoke at a rally. They never led worship. They never taught a Sunday school class. They simply served. Years would go by and the leadership who they had grown so fond of and developed such a powerful relationship with would suffer some familial and medical heartbreak. The 
pastor's wife of many years and the bookkeeper of the pastoral family's entire finances would pass on to her reward and leave the pastor of this church running both his home and the assembly alone. So Lou and Patricia saw this and in their hearts were burdened with the plight of this beloved man of God. So they stepped out to do what they could for him. As Patricia began to work to resolve the books for the pastor, Lou set his skills on the various labor projects at both the house and the church. And they did this for 15 years, during which time another young couple, David and Marta, would sit in ministry at the same church and be inspired by their sacrifice and their servant's heart. Several years later, David and Marta would go on to pastor their own church, carrying with them that inspiration for servitude they felt from Lou and Patricia. They would pastor their church in Fort Wayne, Indiana for many years when another young couple, a, pr a product of their ministry, would take another church in Toledo, Illinois. David and Heather then uh, would then take their inspired service mindset, pair it with the talents of their ministry team leaders, one of whom stands before you tonight behind this very pulpit. Through their time in Toledo and then in Hobart, Indiana, they would minister, serve, and inspire. Then as this minister standing before you, me, in case you couldn't put that together, would find and marry the love of his wife, her right there on the front row, because you could put that together too. He would then move to Pontiac, Illinois to serve in the local church here using and leaning on a collective inspiration and servant ministry of more than 200 years and would preach this message to you on a Wednesday night in mid-March. Let me sum that up for you. My grandparents are Lou and Patricia. I like to write. I'm sorry. Sometimes I write around what I'm saying. <laughs> My grandparents, Lou and Patricia, served in a church in California, and they served the pastor there for many, many years. In their service, they never did anything anybody would look at and be like, wow, they did that. But they just served. And their inspiration was carried over through David and Marta Keller into Fort Wayne, Indiana, who would then pass that inspiration on to David and Heather Stovall, who would then pass that inspiration on to me. And I'm a product of all of their ministries and all of their lives, a collective of 200 years of ministry and inspiration. This recounting of this history, my grandparents, and their impact on the lives of just these select few that inexorably reached its way back to me caused me daily to remember two things. First, everything we do makes a difference. So we must be intentional about what we do. Number two, everything, every day we pursue something and everything we pursue moves us in a direction, be it forward, backwards, or laterally. So we must be intentional about what we pursue. All this considered, I feel a strong urging in my spirit to, to challenge you on this one thing. Set a precedent of pursuit for the king. Now, setting a precedent of pursuit in this fashion does not mean chasing the next best thing at every given opportunity. To truly pursue the king is to place him as your highest priority, even if that means sacrificing of yourself or denying of yourself. 
Sometimes people get confused about what it means to pursue the path of God and somehow think that pursuit of his path is synonymous with pursuit of what we want. The two are often not the same. For example, sacrifices and fasts. Fasting of media or food. Sacrificing of time and of talent. Uh, sacrificing of your finances. These are all common yet effective ways of setting a precedent of pursuit. But they're not always fun and they're certainly not always what we want to do, especially when it comes to the food part. Am I right, anybody? Can I get an amen? amen. But to do these is setting a precedent of pursuit of the king and setting that precedent is about him and not about us. There's a song we sing from time to time that says, less of me and more of you. We sing every song we sing tonight. I don't know if you caught on, but everything that we sing tonight is about, God, give me more of you. Less of me and more of you, God, in my life. So, Brother Kennedy, how do we set a precedent of pursuit? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, let's take a look at what this means. Number one, Webster says that pursuit, or to pursue, is to follow in order to catch, to attain, or accomplish a goal. And Webster also says that a precedent is an event or guide to be considered as a standard of measure. So simply put, to set a precedent of pursuit is to hold yourself to the standard or expectation of chasing after God in every area of your life. Now hold on to your seats here because it's about to get really real. Setting a precedent of pursuit is more than simply attending weekly services. Setting a precedent of pursuit is more than simply showing up for a time of prayer or, God forbid, showing up on time to church. What time do we come to church on Sundays? That's right. Praise the Lord. It is more than simply going to a church. And believe it or not, it is more than simply being a faithful tithe payer. Setting that precedent is to make his kingdom your success. And it is making your heart reflect the passions of his heart. It is seeing and doing the will of God. It is going and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the best ways to serve, one of the best ways to, per, to pursue the king is to serve the kingdom. Has anybody ever had somebody pay for their meal or uh, pay you a compliment or even let you ahead of them in line at the grocery store? Anybody ever had that? It's kind of a pay it forward type thing. Maybe they're just having a good day and they're like, you know what? You can just come on ahead of me. You got 15 times as much groceries as I've got, but that is fine. I can wait. That's what I called unprovoked service. Unprovoked service. There is a difference between unprovoked service and provoked service. Unprovoked service is something that happens to you that you did not anticipate and you didn't ask for in a good way. Having a car accident, you didn't ask for that. That's not service, that's an accident, that's a problem, right? But when somebody walks up to you completely out of the blue and says, Brother Larry, your shirt looks really nice today. I like that shirt. Depending on who you are, that may not be a compliment. <laughs> you may not like to be complimented on how you look or what you're wearing. But depending on who you are, again, that might be the thing that just puts your day at the top of its possibility. Unprovoked service endears you to the one you serve or to the one who's serving you. 
sorry, I have a, a couple extra notes here that I forgot why I put them in there. <laughs> While we're on this topic, I wanted to bring something up to you guys. I know it's been mentioned, but I wanted to bring it up. This is a bit of a soapbox moment, so maybe I should step over here on the soapbox. Last time I heard about somebody doing this, they fell. <laughs> okay, has anybody heard of Block 59? Let me just tell you what Block 59 is. Block 59 is the parking lot that's right next door to the uh, courthouse building downtown. That area currently houses the remnants of the ice rink that we had through the winter that was so much fun. If you didn't get to go, they're going to set it up next year. Please go. It's a lot of fun. Great, great moment in the community. Block 59 is something that the city of Pontiac Parks and Recreation Department emailed us, or, or mailed us, I guess, in this context, mailed us and said, hey, we would like to see if you, as a church, would like to host any events here to get involved in the community, to bring things to the people. Whatever you want to do, we'll help you do it, and we'll let you have the parking lot and you can set it up there. And, and so we took that upon ourselves and upon our shoulders, and we're going to host some events this summer. So that being said, I want to encourage everyone in here to set a precedent of pursuit of the king and come and be at these events and do some unprovoked service to this community. Unprovoked, with no strings attached. We're not going there just to say, hey, why don't you come to the church? No. We're going there to do something nice for them because, like I said, unprovoked service endears you to the one you serve. I, I was talking with my mom this last week, and we were talking about outreach and, and different ways to be effective in outreach. And we were talking about this concept that I've heard of. You might, have, might be familiar with it called the trusted messenger. Has anybody ever heard of a, the trusted messenger concept? It's a psychology uh, kind of situation and, and it's being used currently for climate change uses and and for uh, COVID vaccine things like that so maybe not the best application of that at this moment but it's a great concept and the idea is that people will listen and respond better to somebody that they trust versus somebody they don't know so for example you know brother Larry if I if you didn't know me and I walked up to your door and I knocked on your door and I said hey you want a pencil? <laughs> whatever, the, whatever it is I'm trying to get you to do. If you don't know me, the statistics say that you are 90% less inclined to receive and act upon my message because you don't know me. But if you know and you trust me, then whenever I bring a message to you, you're 90% more inclined to receive and act upon that message. So why am I throwing statistics and all kinds of psychology at you? Because we're going to go to the community. And we're going to perform unprovoked acts of service to this community. And the reason we're going to do that is because those kinds of actions endear us to the people we're trying to reach. And if we are not trusted by them, when will they ever come into our building? If I invite you to my house and you don't know me, how likely are you going to be to just walk into my house willy-nilly and eat whatever food I put up or don't put up or whatever? I mean you got to trust me first. I know I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Unprovoked service. The most powerful way to pursue the king is to serve the kingdom. 
You see, Lou and Patricia didn't have any ulterior motive for their service. They simply wanted to serve. They set that as a precedent and determined in themselves to live out what it says in Joshua 24, 15, when it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Where that precedent of pursuit leads, you may never understand in this life. Because, like it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, now we see through a mirror dimly. But then on the other side of glory, our eyes will be opened and we'll see the precedent of pursuit that we each set in our lives and how it made a difference. As I look back upon this, this network of, of how all these different pieces of the puzzle had to fall into place for me to serve under a man who was inspired by a man who was inspired by my grandfather, there's just no way for our tiny, feeble human brains to conceive of how many different areas and, and how many different impacts everything we do can have. That's why we opened this message with the statement that everything you do matters. Every choice you make, every word you say, every action you take, everything you do matters. So be strategic, be, be intentional with what it is that you're doing. Setting that precedent is not easy, however. It requires a daily regimen of intentionality and we must make ourselves be the daily pursuers of God that he wants us to be. No one does it naturally. No one does it easily. And anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. Nobody wakes up thinking, I'm going to be the best me I can be today. Some people might, and they might be on drugs. But <laughs> everybody wakes up and they're hurt. <laughs> everybody wakes up and like, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Whatever it is, that's almost never the first thought in your mind when you wake up in the morning. But we have to be intentional every single day because we don't live to ourselves and we don't die to ourselves. We are ambassadors of Christ. I don't know if you understand what that means today, but we are ambassadors. We are sent unto the world as Holy Ghost filled believers and it is our responsibility and our duty to step out there and to share the light of God with every person that we come across every single day. The good news is it's not always hard to do that. The good news is that sometimes just living your life can be a good witness. That's, that's free. That's free. Someone once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Someone else once said that you are who you associate with. These are absolutes. If you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. Their drive and determination will inspire and inspire you and push you forward to your dreams. Earl Nightingale, a famed uh, American radio speaker and author, wrote extensively on human character, motivation, and meaningful experience, and he had this to say, you become what you think about all day long. That is terrifying, because if that's true, I'm a cheeseburger. <laughs> the reality, the stark reality of that. What do you think about all day long? What are the thoughts that pervade your mind all day long? And if what you're thinking about is negative and in the dumps, and, and especially if what you think about this church and the potential of this assembly isn't positive and isn't great and isn't expectation of revival, then you are a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't think, if you don't think in your mind, I'm going to be victorious today, then you will fail. 
the only thing you will succeed at is failing. You have to be intentional about what you put in your brain, about what you let into your spirit every single day. This is to say that our mind is an incredibly powerful thing. It can take you to the happiest of memories and it can sink you into the deepest of depressions. What you think on matters. And a precedent of pursuit requires the thoughts of the pursuer. Make your mental pursuit of the kingdom be as faithful as your physical pursuit of the kingdom. Think about that for a second. We're faithful. We're here. We're here on a windy Wednesday night in mid-March. We're faithful. We've given in our tithes and offerings. We're here. We're faithful. But are we here? Are we faithful up here to think and believe? You know, the Bible says that whatsoever a man thinketh with his heart, so is he. Interesting factoid is that the heart in ancient Near Eastern times was not the center of emotion like it, would, like it is today. When you think about, oh, I love you with all my heart. Uh, Valentine's Day. Uh. That's what we think about, right? That's the commonly conceived understanding of what the heart means. And so when I say I love you with all my heart to my wife, she's like, oh, I love you too, baby. Oh, that's so sweet. But no, that's not what that meant in this context. The heart, <laughs> the heart in the ancient Near East was actually the center of logic and reason and understanding. If you wanted to, in the ancient Near Eastern times, if you wanted to say, I love you with all of my emotion, you would have said, I love you from the depths of my bowels. See how well that works next Valentine's Day. <laughs> Not so good. Trust me. <laughs> from experience. <laughs> but no, the heart was the center of logic and reason and understanding. And so when it says, whatever we think Whatever a man thinketh in his heart, it's not saying whatever a man thinks with his emotions, whatever emotional drawing his thoughts are having that day. It's whatever I reason, whatever I think with logic, whatever I have purpose in my mind, that's what I'm going to be. That's why we don't live by emotion. Emotions are fleeting. You can love one day and hate the next. You can be happy one moment and depress the next. We don't live by emotion, but we live by faith. We live by understanding and knowledge. And so whenever we think the precedent of pursuit requires the thoughts of the pursuer, we have to put those thoughts into action with logic and reason and understanding, with our whole heart, as the Bible says. I have often said and believed with conviction that faithfulness is tantamount to impact and that it's vital in success in setting a precedent of pursuit. One of the most impactful things about Lou and Patricia was their faithfulness. They were devoted and committed and servant-minded. But beyond all of those things, they were faithful. Many times, we can get so caught up in the hype of the big moments that we can forget about the small details. Consider the story of David. There were several high points that defined his story, but like Luke Levine has said before, for every day that David slayed a giant, a bear, or a lion, there were a thousand days of him just herding livestock. Nobody thinks about those days in between. Faithfulness. Long-lasting impact rarely comes from those who fail to be faithful. In order to be successful in setting that precedent of pursuit, we must be faithful in obedience to the one we're pursuing. 
Musicians, if we can, you guys can come. I'm almost done. I've got just about 75 more pages. <laughs> At this point, I'm hoping that you see the common thread here. There are two elements that are vital in setting that precedent of pursuit. Service and faithfulness. These are vital not only in setting a precedent of pursuit, but they are vital in us seeing revival here. Why is it so important? Because if we don't have people to serve, and we don't have people that are faithfully serving, we will never make it. We can't do it on our own. Pastor, you can't do it by yourself. Sister Allison, you can't teach the class that you want by yourself. A hundred plus children in that classroom with you teaching them, that's not possible. Zachary, Carissa, you can't lead a youth group of 150 kids by yourself. Church, we can't pastor and we can't teach, we can't preach and we can't lead worship and we can't serve the church of tomorrow unless we have faithful servants serving today. I don't know about you, but I think of myself as a dreamer. I have goals and vision, ideas for my future, all of which I not only believe can happen, but that I actively work for daily. The word of God was full of dreamers too. Take Joseph, a young man blessed with family and wealth and health and happiness. He was a dreamer. He had a dream that set his sights high in life. And that was a good thing. Imagine I imagine that that dream kept him going when his brothers betrayed him into slavery and when Potiphar's wife lied about him and got him thrown in prison. But there's an interesting detail that so few of us ever realize that Joseph's dream was delayed in coming. But why? Pastor Aaron Soto puts it like this. It was only when Joseph served another man's dream faithfully that he was blessed to see his own dream come true. Service and faithfulness are vital to setting a precedent of pursuit, and they are vital to seeing revival here at Truth Tab. We have received prophetic word, church. The ball is now in our court, and it is time that we set a precedent of pursuit to see it come to pass. We can all stand together. We have a commandment falls in line with our theme this year and with this pursuit of, pre of precedent. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We have an obligation, church. And that is an integral part of us setting a precedent of pursuit of the king. And that is we must go. We must go and do. To seek the Lord is to love the Lord. And to love the Lord is to love those he loves. So to seek the Lord is to love who the Lord loves. In Lamentations 3 and 5, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. 1 Peter 3.11 says, Let him seek peace and pursue it. 
And in 2 Peter 3 and 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We have a call upon this church and upon each of our lives. It is our responsibility, it is our duty, and it should be the burden of every person in this sanctuary right now to go, to share, to love. And whether those people we love ever darken that door If our only goal is getting them in this building, we have a fundamentally flawed view of what the church is for. We are not a social club. We are not a group of assembling people. We are the church of the living God and our purpose is to share the light and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that never happens, if that never brings a person through that door, then we have to do it anyway. If the only sanctuary full that we ever have is on a funeral, but we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're seeing lives changed and we're seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost, even if they go to a totally different assembly in a totally different town, we're doing the job right. And I can guarantee you that won't happen, but if and if it does, we have a job to do. It's not about numbers. It's about winning souls. It's about reaching the lost. Set a precedent of pursuit of the king tonight so that when you step out of your home to go to your job tomorrow, you're doing what it is that you're called to do. Make the decision to serve his kingdom over your kingdom. Love those that he loves. Reach for them today. Do not wait another moment. You don't know what tomorrow brings for your life, much less that of anybody else. So if there's somebody in your life, if there's somebody that you work with and you think that, well, one day I'll reach them. One day I'll talk to them about my Holy Ghost experience. That one day is right now. That one day is the first opportunity you get. When you wake up in the morning, shoot a text message to somebody. Hey, let's have lunch today. And take that opportunity to, to, to talk to them about what you have. Because I guarantee you, you know, we're going to go and we're going to do outreach events. Brother Lamb, we've done door knocking for years. We can only do so much as an assembly, but our impact as individuals that are trusted, trusted messengers to this community, the people that we work with, to our family members, is so much more significant than we could ever imagine. So please, from my heart to yours, reach somebody. Set a precedent of pursuit of the king right now. In fact, if you want to step out, let's, we're gonna, I'm going to open these altars right now. I know this isn't a typical Wednesday night, but I feel like that we need to step out and pray and receive that word tonight. If you want to step out, you can, but if you want to pray right where you're at, that's fine. That's fine too. We're going to pray. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we need you in our heart. 
in our life right now. We need to have a precedent of pursuing, of pursuing you, Jesus. Pursuing those that you love. Reaching those that, that you died for. The thing is, God, that we might feel sometimes that we're elevated above our neighbor because we have the Holy Ghost, and they might not, but the truth is that they're just as much of a child of yours as we are. What right do we have to not reach them? What right do we have, Jesus, to not give them what we have? It's not just our responsibility. It's not just our calling, but it's got to be a burden in us, Jesus. Come on, church, pray, receive that tonight. Receive that into your spirit tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help me set a precedent of pursuit.